Good. Well, good morning. And uh, as we begin, we are in uh, the middle of January, and uh, it's a pretty miserable day, isn't it? The, the rain is, is there, it's cold, uh, I'm guessing a few of us are a little, little tired, and I thought to begin, just to wake us up a bit, we'd play a little bit of a game. And it's not a big game, you don't have to worry, it's a bit of a mind game. So I'm going to put a picture on the screen in a moment. And when we see that picture, I want you to tell me what you see. So if we can have that picture, please. There we go. Now, I reckon some of you might have seen this before. Um, shout out to me what you, what you can see. An old woman. All right, okay. Anything else? A young woman. Okay, an old woman and a young woman. Hands up if you first of all saw the old woman. Yeah, okay. Now keep your hands up if you then also saw the young woman. Okay, hands down. Hands up if you saw the young woman to begin with. Okay, and hands up if you then saw the old woman after that. A few hands going down. Okay, excellent. Thank you. Well, this is one of those pictures that apparently looks like one thing at first, and the longer you look at it, you see something else. Uh, it changes slightly. Apparently, you can see in this picture both an old woman and a young woman. And then when you see it, it's like, of course, of course it's an old woman. Of course it's a young woman. Of course it's both. And suddenly, it's like this light bulb moment when uh, you see it, when finally you get it. It was actually only this morning, as I, as I gave this uh, to the back, that they showed me the young woman in the picture. I could only see the old woman myself till about an hour ago. So I was trusting Google up till about an hour ago. So you can see both. But it's like the light bulb goes on and you see it. Thank you. We can take that down now. Thank you. Otherwise, we'll spend the rest of the sermon watching, uh, looking at that. And uh, in our passage today, this is what we see. We have uh, various characters in the passage today who've known Jesus for shorter or longer times. And suddenly, they get it. Suddenly, they see Jesus for who he really is. That's partly what we're going to be looking at uh, later in the service today. Uh, our passages today come from uh, the lectionary. Uh, we're, we're just focusing on the Gospel of John today, the John passage. And uh, you may remember a few weeks ago, I said that the lectionary was this three-year cycle of Bible readings that lots of different churches and denominations use across the world. So as we look at this passage today, we're joining alongside thousands of other followers of Jesus who are also looking at these particular passages. Just to put the Gospel of John into a bit of context and the passage we're looking at from the Gospel of John, we're right at the beginning of the gospel, and uh, we've just had the introduction. And in that introduction, uh, John has basically said what he's going to go on to say in the rest of the gospel. That Jesus, as God, became a human being so that he might bring us back to God, so that we can be welcomed back and accepted into God's family. John has also spoken about Another John, who we know as John the Baptist, who was to be the Messiah, the promised one, who was going to be the rescuer, the, sa the saviour and the deliverer. And just before our passage today, John has said this quite openly. He said, I'm the voice of one calling in the desert. 
Make straight the way of the Lord. I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the thongs of whose sandals I am unworthy to untie. So John the Baptist's listeners know that John doesn't see himself as the Messiah. He's a bit odd. He's certainly controversial. Other Gospels say that John wore clothing made of camel's hair and that he ate locusts and wild honey. His message was basically, turn from your sins before it's too late and get ready for this big work that God is about to do here on earth. He may have been different, he may have been a little hard to get to know, but people listened to him, and people followed him, he had his followers, and people were baptised by him. But from the beginning he says, I'm not it. After me there comes a greater one. I'm only preparing you for him. And so as we come to our passage today, everything is working towards this great revelation. We know someone greater is about to be revealed. And as we come to our passage today, it would be really great if you could turn to that in your Bibles, please. Uh, John chapter 1, verses 29 to 42. I know we often say that each week, but really what we want is that we go on a journey together in our sermons. So that I'm not just telling you something but that we really discover this for ourselves. So if you could turn to that passage, that would be really great. John 1, 29 to 42. So that passage begins in verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world... This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. The passage continues. John gave this testimony. I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him. But the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Now twice in those verses, John has said, I didn't know him. This is an odd thing for John to say, because actually, John knew Jesus very well. In fact, they're related. If you remember, after the angel comes to Mary and tells Mary about her pregnancy, the first thing Mary does is to go to Elizabeth, her relative, who is also pregnant with John. And back then, families were quite close-knit, so John and Jesus may well have spent a fair amount of time together as they grew grew up. They're around the same age. 
So for John here to say, I didn't know him, is rather odd. The passage continues. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. We often talk about the importance and the power of testimonies. And here we see why. Simply on John's words alone, these two disciples of John have stopped following John and have started to follow Jesus. This point, this happens when John has a big ministry. John is a well-known guy. Jesus, at this time, does not have a big ministry. In fact, at this point, Jesus has no ministry whatsoever. Jesus is completely unknown at this point. This is the first time in our passage when Jesus comes onto the scene. People do not know who Jesus is. And yet these two disciples stop following this well-known John and start to follow this unknown Jesus. There's something captivating about this character of Jesus. Jesus has caught their attention. They may not know Jesus. They may have literally only just heard something about him. But they can tell there's something different about this man, Jesus. Hearing about him itself is not enough. So they begin to follow Jesus. And in the Gospel of John, that word follow has like a double meaning. On the one hand, it's follow in the most mundane of senses. Someone's going somewhere and I'm going to follow them to wherever they're going. But in the Gospel of John, follow also has that sense of beginning to follow as a disciple, beginning a relationship with Jesus. And so as these two disciples start to follow Jesus, whatever they think they're doing, they're actually on the path of the beginning of a relationship with Jesus. Jesus has roused their curiosity and they want to find out more. And as Jesus sees these two disciples following him, he says to them, what do you want? And they say to him, Rabbi, where are you staying? And Jesus replies, come and you will see. So Jesus invites these two people to come and share his space. In this act of hospitality, Jesus opens himself up and invites these two unknown people to come and share time and space with Jesus. He says, come and you will see. Up to now, 
They've just heard something about Jesus. But now, as they accept this invitation of hospitality, as they willingly take those steps into Jesus' space, suddenly they see. Their eyes are opened. Up to this point, they may have seen Jesus physically, eye to eye, but it's only as they choose to enter the space that Jesus is opening up before them that suddenly they see him and see him for who he really is. John the Baptist has known Jesus for many years. They're related. But up to now, John has never seen Jesus. Up to now, as far as John's concerned, Jesus has been this very nice guy. They've known each other for a while. But that in itself is not enough. It's only at Jesus' baptism when the Holy Spirit anoints Jesus, rests on Jesus and remains on Jesus, that suddenly John sees it. He gets it. He's known Jesus for many years. But as he sees the Holy Spirit rest on Jesus, his eyes are opened and he sees that this very nice guy is in fact the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, we've had that experience. We know what that's like. It's like in that picture, at first you see the old lady, and then you suddenly see the young lady, and you realize it's both. We've had that experience where all of a sudden we see Jesus for who he really is. Maybe for you it wasn't like uh, an all-of-a-sudden experience. Perhaps it was a gradual realization. But we know what it is to suddenly see Jesus uh, for more than just another good guy. Maybe you're here today and you haven't had that experience. You may well have been coming to church the whole of your life, week in, week out, You've heard about Jesus, but you've never seen him. It's never quite clicked. And in itself, that's not enough. Like these two disciples, Jesus invites us to step into his space, to share his space. And as we do that, our eyes are opened and we begin to see him for who he is. If there's a hunger in your heart to experience something of God, that's the start. Again, these two disciples, they were curious. They'd noticed something different about Jesus. He'd he'd roused their curiosity And from that point, things can move on. It's as we let down our defenses and just say to God, okay, all right, I give you my life. Come into my heart. 
That's what it means to respond to the hospitality of God. And when we see him, we see him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John's using here imagery from Isaiah 53, which speaks about Jesus as this innocent lamb who willingly gives his life as a sacrificial offering for everyone, for the whole world, for you and for me. For those of us who are already followers of Jesus, Jesus continually invites us to continually step into his space and to see him afresh, as if for the first time. The Catholics, uh, because they believe that the uh, bread and the wine at communion literally becomes the body and the blood of Jesus, they have this thing called adoration. And adoration is when they'll spend extended time either sitting or standing in front of the blessed bread and the wine. And they spend that time literally adoring Jesus. Now, we wouldn't say that the bread and the wine literally become the body and blood of Jesus. But I love that thought of spending extended time simply adoring the presence of Jesus. And for us, that doesn't have to be with uh, the bread and the wine of communion. But communion can be one of those times where we're invited into Jesus' space. Where we're given the opportunity to share space with Jesus. To respond to his hospitality. That's why reverence at communion is so important. Because it's a chance we have to encounter the living God. As we do that, as we see him, we're transformed by him. As these two disciples see Jesus, there's only one way they can respond. And Andrew, one of the two disciples, uh, leaves Jesus and he goes to his brother and he goes to Simon. And this is what he says. We have found the Messiah, the Christ. Perhaps one of the most powerful ways we can be witnesses is to those who are closest to us, to our friends, our neighbours, brother to brother, heart to heart. I think if we've really been impacted by Jesus, if our lives have been changed by Jesus, we know how powerful that is. And we want those closest to us to experience that transformation of life that we also have experienced. And as uh, Simon comes to Jesus, what the passage doesn't say is that Simon sees Jesus. What the passage does say is that Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, is tra- which when translated is Peter. Not only are our lives transformed as we see Jesus for who he is, but Jesus sees us for who we are as well. Up to now, the whole of his life, Simon has been known as Simon. And as he comes to Jesus, Jesus says, from now on, you'll be known as Peter. Because when Jesus looks at us, 
He doesn't see us as the people we define ourselves to be. He doesn't see us as the people other people define us to be. But he sees us as we really are. Labels completely destroyed by the death and resurrection of Jesus. And as Jesus says this to Peter, actually, this isn't really a prophetic name for Peter. Rather, this is a declaration of the person Peter will become as he continues to follow Jesus. This is a declaration of what Jesus will make of Peter, of how Jesus' life will be transformed, of how Peter's life will be transformed by Jesus. And Jesus not only sees people, he not only sees you, but he calls you so that as you follow that call, he makes you into and he shapes you into the person he's calling you to be. As we see Jesus, we become the people Jesus sees when he looks at us. As we come to an end, we're going to spend a few moments in quiet. And as we do that, I'd like to invite you just to close your eyes. As Simon came to Jesus, Jesus looked at him and said, From now on, you will be known as Peter. What are those names, those labels that you've been carrying for a while that you know are not of God? And as you hold those names, those labels, picture the cross. And at the cross, Jesus destroys those labels. Place those labels at the foot of the cross. Nail them to the cross. Let go of them. And I want you to say to Jesus, who do you say that I am? And listen. What does he say to you today? What name does he place on you? Hold on to that. Jesus, I thank you that you are incredibly loving and incredibly merciful. I thank you, Jesus, that you see us as we really are. And that as we follow you, you transform us into those people. Father, I pray that you give us courage to leave behind those labels of old and that we would be faithful in following you.
Help us to see you afresh. Give us that fresh revelation. We love you for who you are as well. Amen.